Hello, and welcome to the Event Safety Podcast. I'm Danielle Hernandez. And today, guys, I'm really excited. We're going to be talking about the backstage exam that is upcoming uh, in partnership with USITT. And I'm joined with two guests who are some of the founders of this project, uh, Dana Taylor, who, among other things, is the chair of the backstage exam committee, and Christy Ross Clausen, who's the incoming chair of that working group and someone who knows a lot about safety in high schools. So, Dana, let's start with you. How, how did this idea start? In the, I want to say probably 2004, 2005, I became involved with the ESET program with ESTA Foundation. And this was, this was going to be a program that would support entry-level technicians. I was the only high school person involved, and I think that was purposeful on their part to draw me or to draw that demographic into the conversation. Um, throughout the process of creating ESET, it was apparent to me that there wasn't really anything here that we were working on that high school students couldn't, couldn't do as well. Um, some things would be above their pay grade, so to speak, but an awful lot of it was, awful lot of it was readily accessible. Um, then in, when ESTA joined Plaza and then left Plaza, the ESTA Foundation, which had ESET, ceased to be, and ESET was handed over to USITT. And the exams got launched and, you know, materials were created, and this was all good. In 2018, I, I decided I would go ahead and contact uh, Beth Martell, who was the head of the ESET Council at that time, to see if I could have her approval to recreate ESET as a comprehensive exam covering a variety of technical areas and geared towards high school students. And okay, so, so I'm going to pause just for our listeners if they're not familiar with all that. ESET is not ESAT, which is a different thing that you guys have heard of, I, I would assume. ESET is Essential Skills for the Entertainment Professional. It is an exam um, uh, series that is it's moderated through USITT. And if you Google it, you will find out more details. All right, so that takes us back to um, backstage. Sorry, I just want to make sure that people had context because ESET and ESAT, which is uh, the Event Safety Alliance's safety training uh, sound a lot the same if you're just in an audio context and they're like, what are you talking about? So continue, sorry. So um, Beth and, and the council gave me the go ahead to go ahead and try to, to create a test based on the existing ESET examinations. And that's where Christy and Scott Parker and Tony Fling and other people got involved and we started working on questions. Initially, I, I went through the questions from, from tests and I called those things that I thought were probably well over high school students experience. And then we would sit down and go through questions and think of better ways to ask them or remove others. And in some instances, creating some questions. Um, but by and large, the test which when it's in full form has a, a test bank of about 450 questions from which a hundred are drawn each time for, for the backstage exam. But you know, it, 
it's a good representation of what we think high school students with a couple of years of experience probably should know or certainly could know. Okay, so um, I got a couple of different questions that are gonna, I think, take us down two different, very different rabbit holes. But, uh, and Christy, I think this first one's to you, uh, just so that everyone gets to hear your dulcet tones as well. Um, what is one of the goals? I mean, it's like, are we just making tests for high school kids just for fun? Or why, why are we making this test for high school kids? Well, the primary reason to make it is that there's something that is uniform that professionals and all of us who are involved, at least at this initial stage, are also current or former high school teachers. So I taught K-12 for about 16 years. I've also taught at the college level. I'm also an IATSE trainer. So I've taught professionals how to do these same things. You know, a, a bolin is a bolin no matter what age you are. And it's a skill that a 12-year-old can learn and a 32-year-old can learn. So the goal was to have this basic fundamental, if you are going to the world of work rather than going on to college, what should you know to walk into, say, an IATSC load-in for a Broadway show, or you're going to work your first concert backstage doing the load-in and load-out for that? What skills do you need to know to be safe, number one, and number two, to be effective in that role as a stagehand, as an entry-level stagehand. So yes, primarily this is aimed at being a capstone exam for high school students, but I've talked with several other organizations that are considering using it at that level to measure that particular skill set because it's a broad spectrum exam. It is not just audio or just video or one specific area yeah, like any other I, trainings are. When, when I got to take the, the little sample test thing and there was a question about costuming, I, I'm pretty sure I got it wrong because boy, do I not know anything about that. But uh, so it is it is a broad spectrum of, of questions, which I appreciate. So so what you're saying is, is this is getting people ready, career ready, because Correct. this is a field that many people get into immediately out of high school. And right. Some people have master's degrees and some people have high school and some people, it's, it's a wide, wide spectrum. And, you know, with our current labor shortage, anything that gets people walk in the door ready, I am wholeheartedly in favor of. <laughs> um, so, <I'm> right. <laughs> so, uh, so Dana, back to you, when you said you're developing all these questions and so teachers are given access to this test? What's the mechanism there? How do they get this test? Are they given materials with it? How do they know how to prepare their students for it? On the USITT site, there is a page dedicated to this. And I believe if you go to USITT slash backstage, it'll take you to right. all, the, all the materials associated with the test. It'll give you some background information, but mostly it gives, it gives you study materials. Uh, What's kind of, what is kind of going to, let me say this more efficiently, what is likely to be on the test without being specific as to, there are going to be seven questions on condenser microphones, nothing like that, but that we talk about different types of microphones and, and polar patterns and the like with lighting that we're talking about, you know, we, th there's discussion of DMX, there's discussion of, of you know, types of fixtures. So although the materials provide good guidance, they don't give you the answers. And I know this is, you know, this is a question that we've had, you know, that 
for some teachers, and I probably include myself in this at any given time, we so desperately want our kids to pass, to do well, to prove that they, to prove they know stuff. But this is, and, and Christy brought this up very early on when we started having communication with teachers who were participating in the pretest. And that is, this isn't about passing a test, it's about gaining knowledge. And your knowledge is going to grow as time goes on. So it's, it's almost more of an assessment than a final exam? It's not a standardized test like the ETCP exams are or an SAT or a PSAT. It's set up differently. It is a broad spectrum skills test. And unlike those other tests, the way the questions are put together is a little bit different. It's still you have a question and four potential answers and you pick the best answer of the four that are possible. But the job task analysis that you would do with a formal, like the um, CTS we have for Avixa, that was not done in the same way. Um, unlike a standardized test, the test pool is not going to be updated every six months. Um, it is as it is. I don't anticipate it changing tremendously. It may change as we get more information about the questions and how they score, because you look at it from a psychometric point of view. But the, those of us who are involved in it, we're all IA members. We've all worked a variety of things over the years. We're pretty confident that everything that in there is free of bias uh, is good on a national or international but Western focusing scope. So if you're in Canada and you take this, there are slight changes in terminology in Canada from what we use in the US, but you're gonna do fine because those changes are not substantial. Um, and because it's a broad spectrum exam, I can tell you right now, this is not gonna test absolutely everything you need to know. There's only a hundred questions on it because it has to be able to be administered during a school day by a school teacher with the facilities that schools have. Uh, and that was actually kind of a daunting challenge because so many schools use Chromebooks and have less than stellar internet access. So ensuring that we can get them the information on the test presenting side so that they can be accurately assessed was a very important part of this step. Uh, and one of the things I really appreciated by doing that pilot program was the feedback that we got from the teachers who were involved in that. It also should be noted that there's not a specific curriculum that goes with it. If you go to that backstage exam page, you'll find a list of books and resources that we recommend, but it is not like, here's the study guide. When you read the study guide, you'll pass the test. It doesn't work that way because this is not a pass or fail your history test where you've got a finite amount of information to learn. Our industry continues to change at a very, very rapid pace. And I use DMX as an example. When I started- That's an at, understatement, but yeah. okay, go on. <laughs> DMX didn't exist. In the last 10 years, we've gotten much more safety conscious. Thanks heavens. That's the ESA's contrib contribution to the industry. Um, so these are people that we trust the information that they've put out there. These are books that we've vetted that we know the content is good. And truthfully, there's way too much material there that a high school student could just sit and read the book and pass the test. It needs to be some hands-on work in the, the, in the stage, in the concert hall, if they've got a concert hall, in the gym auditorium, if they're doing the presentations there. Uh, one of the things we had to be conscious of is the fact that not every school has a certified theater teacher. In fact, very few do. Not every school has a theater with a counterweight system in it. 
maybe uh, in fact, quarters many do don't have to. <laughs> yeah, many don't. Some states don't want them to be there anymore and won't yeah. permit them to be built. Yeah, um, knock on wood. The only runaway I've been <laughs> present for was in my high school theater. And I, it, you know, it was years later when I learned what had actually happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it is, it is the whole buffet laid out there. Um, and the passing score, the, the score that you need to pass the exam is actually numerically kind of low because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we look at a percentage of the students who've taken it and that score gets adjusted depending upon what's happening in that particular administration. Um, so I'm, I'm excited because it is dynamic enough to respond to what's happening in the industry. But I'll tell you right now, I've been in the business for over 30 years. I do not know it all, even though I know a whole lot. And to expect a high school student to know all of this information, they're not going to. And yeah, that's okay. As I said, I'm pretty we're sure I got the ready. costume question wrong. Because yeah, we're just getting really, ready for work. <laughs> really not what I'm doing. So um, let's say I'm a high school theater teacher. I'm also the history teacher. And that's what I went to college for. But I'm the theater teacher because... That happens a lot. English or history teachers end up taking on that job. I've learned a tiny bit about technical theater over my 15 years in this job, but I'm hardly, you know, feeling comfortable with this. Uh, sell me on this set. Like, what, what do I get out of this? And I would like you to talk about a little bit about the move in higher education right now towards job readiness and accreditation uh, and that sort certificate sort of thing, which I know we're not quite at, but we're working towards. So if you guys could speak to that. Um, I was gonna say in regard to the, the benefit for you as a high school teacher is, is that the exam, the exam tells you what you need to be teaching. You know, it gives you some idea of what you ought to be covering because left to our own devices, you know, it's and and I don't and I don't mean this I don't mean this in any in any mean spirited way, but you know it would be like it would be like the drama teachers at my daughter's high school, and their well-intentioned husbands built the set, including a lovely cabin in the woods. I can't think of the production with a cardboard roof that looked really good. And there's nothing about fire in the theater that comes to mind, but you know that that they that the for test- them there's nothing about fire in the theater that comes to mind for them. But my yes. brain's just going to going yeah. to pace. But, but the just oftentimes you know we don't know what it is we should teach. We don't know what what people need to know and what students should be learning to make them as well-rounded as we can. There, you know, there is an acceptance that you may not have counterweight rigging. And so the questions in the counterweight rigging section may be especially difficult other than visual identification of a component, which you can still learn, but you don't have the hands-on experience which influences an answer to a question like, you know, that deals would deal directly with your understanding of what a purchase line feels like in an out of balance line set. You know, it's tight on this side, it's, it's slack on the other side. But there, there is that benefit that it helps provide guidance for teachers to know what they should be addressing 
if their students are going to be well-rounded. There's always going to be the issue that they, they lack equipment. There's that secondary issue that they lack training themselves. And that's something else we're looking at. What can we do to help provide training for teachers? And that's- We've, we've got some things in the, in the um, beginning stages of that too. Last year at the University of Wisconsin, I started a program called Technical Theater for Performing Arts Teachers because so often the music teacher or the band director or the, the two and 3D art teacher ends up being the scenic designer or they get the job of being the auditorium manager in addition to their music teaching duties and they don't know that they don't know. So these classes are online in the summer affordable for teachers and they get credits so that they can keep their license renewed in the states that offer that. So this summer we're doing rigging because there have been some really significant issues with rigging. And then another class on scenic construction and painting. Notice that's not on design, it's on how do we actually get the things put together. Because that cardboard roof, they don't know that that's not something they should do on stage. They think, hey, it looks okay, it was inexpensive, the dad did it, I'm grateful for the dad's labor to put it up they don't know any better. And I myself was in that position when I started teaching 30 years ago. So it's, it's kind of a full circle moment for me to be able to give back the knowledge that I've gained now that I'm working in the professional world, as opposed to just being a teacher, I should say only being a teacher uh, and knowing that I didn't know and being frustrated and having no idea where to go. We've got these curated, we know the content of these are good. We know that we can help teachers be even better and more effective instructors. Um, Avixa has some really good resources also that are online that a teacher could take along with their students. A student membership for Avixa is $25 a year and it gets them access to several introductory level classes, things they would generally need to know if they're working in AV or performing arts. There's a lot of overlap in, in the need between the two areas. Audio is audio, whether you're running that board for your house of worship or for the biggest rock band on the earth. So there are resources out there. So you as a teacher can be more confident that the information you're sharing with your students is current and accurate and reliable and safe. Um, we have people from all over the country that are involved in this and that's given us a really good perspective to know what's happening in different areas and also a variety of age levels. Just to add what Christy was saying, you know, this oftentimes technical theater or yeah, oftentimes technical theater is you know, teachers will address it as a design thing that yes. we're going to we're going to learn to be designers, and you know, and that's something you know, you okay. I'm I'm a performing arts teacher who has no technical skills or understandings in particular, but we can appreciate a well designed set because isn't it pretty or some great scenic painting or projection or what have you, but but we oftentimes don't understand the skills that are required to make those things happen. You know, the incredibly mundane things of getting a screw to go in straight. <laughs> yeah. but, but, yes. Okay. Memories. But, well, and I know, I know, you know, this has been, this has been, um, there was a session on this. I, I think it was last summer at our last year at the USITT uh, virtual conference and you know it it is it is the difference between craft and art mm -hmm. and that 
we, we are craftspeople in many regards. It's not that we don't have an artist's eye or a designer's eye, but we, we concern ourselves oftentimes with the, how you make that happen. I mean, just the very fact that you said how to put a screw in straight as opposed to a nail, you know, which is something when, when, when your volunteers start banging things together, a lot of times they're like, we're going to use nails. And, you know, it's like explaining to them why, why not to do that. Um, or when so to do that. Or when to do that. Yeah. Cause there are times that, that nails are, are the proper fastener. Anyway, uh, so I do want to touch base on that um, back to the test itself. I remember at the USITT session that uh, when you purchase this test for your classroom, that you get to give it twice, once at the beginning of the year to sort of see where you are, and once at the end of the year to see what you've learned. I think that's fantastic. Um, and then do you also get like the if you're a teacher, do you get the results? Do you get to see where where things are? Uh oh, guys, you can't tell this because it's an audio podcast, but they're both laughing. I don't know what I just asked. Asking your question, yes. Okay. We are working. And? On. <laughs> okay. It, it has become an issue with the software that we are using. When when a student finishes the test currently. They get this wonderful this wonderful screen that shows them everything they you know everything they quote unquote did right and wrong. It'll show what their percentage of the reading questions were. It'll show them which questions they missed. It won't give them the answer, and they can do it by discipline. You know the whole. It's great, and, <laughs> and as as soon as they as soon as they log out, that is never to be seen again. Okay. So, so how, the students, how, yeah. the students how, are getting it, but we're, we haven't figured out a good mechanism to aggregate to, to that capture. And, yeah, well, that is a feature know. that's frustrating because you well, wanted the pretest lets you know what you don't know, so that should give you what you should be teaching. Yeah, and we don't have a good mechanism for that yet. We are working on it. Okay, there there is although clunky, you, a student can take a screenshot of the results and hand that to the teacher. But that's obviously that doesn't allow the teacher to do much close, you know, right. examination. Yeah, and you know, and does the teacher get the scores? Yes. Okay. That's a little less clunky, but yes. <laughs> um, we'll note before we get too far into this that. USITT did not do this all unilaterally. Mm -hmm. The Educational Theater Association is working with us on this because they represent the high school theater teachers in the United States. So we've been working a lot with Corey from there and the resources that they have to spread the word as it were. Um, and also a really good preparation thing that I don't see listed in here specifically, the National Federation of State High School Associations has a free online theater safety exam that is suitable for high school students and people who work in high schools that um, they also are helping to spread the word that we've got this available because they want people doing safe things. And we have safety infused throughout all of the different subject areas in this. Thank so, you. As, as a representative of the Event Safety Alliance, I wholeheartedly endorse that statement. <laughs> just to, And to add another layer to this, because Christy brought up Educational Theater Association, uh, Jim Palmarini, who was 
who was and still functions as their still functions with them as their oh what's the official title we just did this um, for he he is director of advocacy um, for for theater education there's another title that goes with it and I can find that for you but Jim had called me back in 2019 saying we want to do we want to put together a test would you like to help us write something because we don't have anything for technical theater for our members for our thespian members and I said well it just so happens we have a test and and so USITT and EDTA embraced this concept of that we could create a test. The one thing that USITT does not have is, is any meaningful representation within high schools. Most high schools don't know who USITT is. Right. They know, they know who the thespians are and there are you know 40,000 thespians in the United States or whatever the number is. Well, EDTA, Educational Theater Association, are the, you know, they're the gatekeepers for us. They've made it possible for us to do this work because through their resources and connections, we were able to get into, you know, we'll be able to get into virtually every high school in the United States that has a thespian troupe. This is a great example of tearing down silos and having fabulous organizations working together for the betterment of all. Well, and you know, and this has been, you know, this has been good for on both sides because we've we've been introduced to an audience that we don't know and they've received a product that they would not necessarily be able to create which is you know it's what usitt does well and what edta does well and then now they've been combined and it has been a huge resource because with um, um like with jim palmerini Jim has Jim has gotten us associated with a psychometrician in New Jersey and other folks who have been part of this process. We in turn have involved our contacts with AME in California, and this has all been this has been tremendous all the way around. AME so, is arts, media, and entertainment. Thank you. So, um, you know, if you guys go to the website. The, the topics listed there, audio, uh, basic terms and safety, personnel and venue, costume design and construction, lighting and electrics, rigging, scenic construction and stage management. So you do really cover a wide, uh, a wide number of specialties. So, so I wanna talk about rigging. Right. <laughs> like in general in high schools, there's not a ton of rigging. So what what level, what depth are you getting into? Is it is it just identifying a counterweight system or understanding the hazards of rigging or, or what are we? I just so, picked one at random, guys. Yeah, that, that's a great example because there are things that we do on the professional level that I would not expect a high school senior just graduating to know. I would not do. expect them to know how to uprig. I would not expect them to know anything about chain motors or hoists or their operations. But I would expect them to know about U-bolts and saddles. I would expect them to know that there's a thing called a swaged fitting that's really reliable. I would expect them to know what a counterweight system is and how to operate it. The I call it the script. I actually have a script that I've written that I hand out that there are a group of 
a sequence of commands that you need to give in order to safely operate a counterweight system, assuming that there's a loading bridge for it, and what that sequence of communication is, that there's repetition in it, um, that the counterweight, the weight on the counterweight arbor needs to balance the weight that's on the batten, assuming that it's a single purchase system. If it's a double purchase system, what that is, I, I don't even remember if we kept double purchase systems in or not. Nope. Um, nope. But again, we're trying to go with what a typical high school has. And that's another windmill I'm tilting at right now is to put together sample high school physical facilities of excellence so that the architects and the consultants who are working with high schools are not trying to give them the mini performing arts center that has a staff of 12 to run it. Because a high school doesn't have that. So often it's a single person that is managing the entire theater program, in some places managing the entire performing arts program. And there is no physical way for somebody to know absolutely all of this in this day and age. Yeah. So if they know, again, the basics, um, if they know that when there's a rope dangling from the ceiling, they shouldn't touch it. Yay, that's a tremendous thing to know walking in on a job site. <laughs> uh, even understanding that there are people whose primary duty is to be a rigger and that you need to keep out of their way. You need to not be standing underneath them when they're working overhead. The safety involved with that. Um, I'm not asking them, we're not asking them to do load calculations to put up a bridle. It's nothing complicated on that format. Again, if you think about what you need to know, walking into a workspace, a concert setup in an arena, um, we don't even talk about greenfields. Um, what do you need to know as an entry level worker? That's what this test is aimed at. Okay, so so that thank you for serving that to me so nicely because uh, as I look at this and, and what you talk about, you know, I hire college students who've never been in the theater before. And I look at this and go, this sounds like a great way for me to know what they know <laughs> before I start training them on something. Is we're not quite there yet, but we're yeah. Getting well, I, I, you know, it, this seems like a lot of information that doesn't seem to be limited just to high schools. Is this something that I could purchase and implement for? my crew or could someone else that, that has a labor company, could they utilize this? And, and is that a reasonable use of that? And I'm specifically talking entry level. I'm not talking about people that are uh, further along in their career that would be taking ESET or any of the more rigorous uh, tests. When we did the session at USITT, I had a college professor come up afterwards and say, can I give this to my freshmen coming in so I know what they know? Yeah. Of course, anybody can register and take the exam. You don't have to be an educational institution to give this. So if you are a labor provider and you want to know what your people know, you can do that. But again, you're gonna get the aggregate score. You're not gonna get the minutia unless you're standing there looking over the shoulder when that capture page comes up at the end of the test. Yet, you guys are working on that. Yes, they are. Right. <laughs> and this, and this, is, this is something about the software that that we're using, but going back, to, you know, going back to your question, that yes, you you would be able to use this. It's not going to give you, it's not going to give you extremely specific information, but can give you a sense of they they seem to know their way around. Mm -hmm. So they they might they might be a better investment in my time. You know, it's 
when we talk about who should take this test, you know, we've we've had inquiries uh, about middle school students taking this. Mm -hmm. Well, middle school student, no, they should not take. You know, they it's it's highly unlikely they would that they would have the experience to succeed at this test. You know, we're looking at people that have a couple of years invested. You know, the, these are juniors and seniors. The way we represented it was, this would be a junior or senior who has taken every, every class and or engaged in every experience available at your school. So maybe they, maybe you don't have stagecraft, but you do three shows a year and, and this kid worked on all of them. And that, okay, so let's see how they do knowing that they may not know everything and like that entry-level worker you're looking at may not know everything, but the fact that they know some things shows a certain degree of gumption on their part to learn. Yeah, and I, I can think of college theater programs that are smaller, that don't have a true technical theater degree that could mm -hmm. also benefit from the same thing. And those same students with the gumption are the ones that are going to learn yeah, different ratings of fasteners and, <laughs> and, and those other pieces. So um, we are coming up on the end of this. So I know that this is basically a soft rollout that we're in right now, correct? Yeah. And the full launch happens- This fall. This fall, so August, September? Yes. Yes. Yep. All right. So uh, guys, if you're interested again, USITT backslash backstage and all the resources are there. Uh, we will put that in the show notes as well. Um, also, if you are looking for more information about other tests, ESET, E-S-E-T is also a USITT program. Hey, and here's my plug for ESAT, which you can find at eventsafetyalliance.org. If you want to reach out to me or uh, any of us here at ESA, you can email me at podcast at eventsafetyalliance.org. So that's going to take us back to you guys. What final notes or thoughts do you want to share before we close this up for today? We're hoping that this will be used for a variety of things eventually um, as we keep refining it, refining the question pool and learning how it's being interpreted out in the field. Um, we're hoping that colleges will say, hey, this student has a good score in this test. Maybe I can give them a scholarship. They show promise in this field. Um, maybe the IA locals can use this to help facilitate who they should prioritize on their overhire list. Um, maybe this is something that an employer can use to determine who they want to hire. We've already talked about that a little bit. Um, but USITT exists to serve everybody in technical theater. And truthfully, it's the entertainment industry. It's not just theater anymore. We cover pretty much everything. So I'm hoping that a lot of industry professionals in a variety of formats will get a chance to be, will get a chance to enjoy the benefits of this exam that we work so hard to put together. Dana? There's more theater done at the high school level than anywhere else in the country. Granted, you know, Johnstown Junior Senior High School does not get the notoriety of a Broadway show, but they work in many regards work just as hard, if not harder, to make what they do happen. You know, I, I do think businesses, you know, manufacturers and the like know that they sell, I'm sure ETC sells far more source fours to high schools than they do to, to shows on Broadway. 
I don't think this is any hidden secret, but it is an underserved, it is an underserved populace. You know, this is where the kids get hooked. Yes. You know, <laughs> hey, that was me. <laughs> well, and the, to put a number on it, there are 35,000 high schools in the United States. There are 41 Broadway theaters, but all we talk about is Broadway. So, you know, this, this is our opportunity to try to bring some clarity to what might be going on that, you know, and it also does suggest in, in a roundabout way that, you know, having a trained teacher and, you know, acknowledging that training is important. You know, as we look at mechanisms that we can provide to help teachers, you know, increase their knowledge that we can grant some sort of certificate or something that shows they spent some time. That's, that's good for everybody. Awesome. So one of the things I really love about high schools from, from a safety perspective is if I capture the kids' attention on making sure the exits are clear and making sure that trash is picked up and things like that when they're high schoolers that when they get to college that's already an expectation and when they go out in the job force they know what to look for and know what to do to be safer in their environment so thank you guys so very much uh dana taylor and christy ross thank you so much for being here today and for talking about this exam i think it's it's a great uh step on the journey of keeping people prepared for work and and safe um as they proceed up in the field and, and hopefully I'll be hiring some of these kids in the, any time that they are ready to come work. <laughs> Thank you for uh, doing this. Thanks for having us, Danielle. Always great to be on the podcast. Uh, our pleasure. All right, everybody, stay safe out there. <laughs>